Hallelujah. Bells are ringing, homeward I'll be winging with 
have a confession to make while you're finding your spot there. You might not believe it, but I have issues. You're talking about issues. I have issues when it comes to many digital thermostats. It happened this past week while I was at the Cove. And thank you for those of you who prayed for me as I went for a retreat and also some extended time and sermon prep and and so forth. But uh, I don't know how many times I adjusted the thermostat there in the room. To get it going right. It even got me out of bed. And I had the heat and air on at different times throughout. It happens all the time here. Downstairs in the office and classroom number 10. And the, the area there with those new air conditioning heating units that the remote controls. I just have issues with them. I think you need a PhD to operate those things. Uh, it's freeze or fry. Um, it happens in our, our, uh, with our window units over uh, at the house, in our laundry room and, and library. When I, when I get them set, I, I leave them pretty much. I don't mess with them much because I have issues with them. The old kind, I can work just fine. The round kind, you just click, click, that like that. And, and the simple digital ones, like we have at the house, and we have, finally have one here. That one back there, you had to be like a rocket scientist used to operate that. I can operate those, but these newer ones, I just have issues with. I used to pastor a heating and air conditioning fellow, and he used to tell me about thermostats. He'd tell me about how landlords would lock them at certain points to save money. And how the tenants would figure out ways to overcome. Like they would take and put cold, wet washcloths. They'd just lay them up there so the heat would keep running and defeat the, the landlords. He, 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 he told me, I think, he's the one told me about dummy thermostats. You know what a dummy thermostat is? They'll put those up in public places, restaurants or whatever, and they just leave them out there. And people just go up to them and they don't do anything. They're just on the wall. But it makes people feel good when they just go up and adjust it, whatever they want. Now, in church, thermostats have always been an issue. In fact, at a church I was at before, we put lock boxes over the thermostats. I think they've recently taken them down since I've been gone. But uh, I tell you what. I made the mistake one time. I can't let me tell you all this. I made the mistake one time of finally telling one lady I believe she'd be cold in hell. <laughs> I can't believe I told her that. I can't believe I told y'all that. <laughs> but, but I don't know. I don't have the patience of Job, I guess. But you might say, well, why all this talk of thermostats, preacher? Well. I've got, I'm going somewhere with this. It's because some words I read this past week from Lloyd Ogilvy, they caught my attention. I couldn't get away from them. I want you to hear what he said. He said, praise is the thermostat of the soul. Praise is the thermostat of the soul. Now, I want you to think about that statement for a moment. Praise is the thermostat of the soul. Now, what do thermostats do? Well, they control the temperature. We want it colder, we turn it one way. We want it hotter, we turn it another way. And we adjust it accordingly. And understanding what a thermostat is and what a thermostat does, think about your soul for a moment. If he's correct, and I believe he is, praise is the thermostat of your soul. He went on to say, the more we know God, the more we praise Him. And the more we praise Him, the more we know Him. 
Let me say that again. That's hard to get your uh, arms around, maybe. The more we know God, the more we praise him. And the more we praise him, the more we know him. I believe he's absolutely correct. And so that being the case, I want to ask you today, what is your soul's temperature this morning? What is your soul's temperature? Uh, To ask it another way, what is your praise thermostat set at this morning? What is your praise thermostat set at this morning? Are you hot? Spiritually speaking, are you cold? Spiritually speaking, now you might be thinking, well, does it really matter whether or not I'm spiritually hot or cold? I mean, isn't it enough that I'm alive spiritually? Well, praise God if you're alive spiritually. But if you're wondering, is it important if you're hot or cold? I want you to think about what Jesus said to the Laodiceans in the Revelation chapter three. He said this. I know your works, but you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Revelation 3, 15 and 16. Now, those are pretty strong words, no matter who you're addressing, that say that you would vomit somebody out of your mouth. Those are very strong words. Beloved, God wants us to be spiritually hot, to be on fire for God, to have a burning passion for him. And we will not do that if we do not praise him as we ought. And we will not praise him as we ought if we do not know him as we ought. You see, praise is the spiritual thermostat of the soul. Now, with that in mind, I want you to literally find the middle of your Bible. It's the shortest psalm. It's the shortest chapter of the Bible. And it's also the very middle or heart of your Bible. It's Psalm 117. Now, Psalm 117 only has two verses, and they're not very long verses, two very short verses. In fact, in the original Hebrew, you know, we have our English translation. The Old Testament is actually written in Hebrew in a small section in Aramaic. The New Testament was written in Greek. It's only 17 words in the original Hebrew. But though it's small and it's the smallest, it's actually as big as the world. Perhaps you've heard the phrase, Dynamite comes in small packages. We have some dynamite here in Psalm 117. Look at it with me. Psalm 117. Here's what the Bible says. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. For his merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Do you have any bookends at home? You know, if you have a library of any size, bookends are very handy. You put a bookend on this end, you put books in the middle, you put a bookend on that end. Did you notice the bookends in this passage? Did you notice it begins with praise the Lord and it ends with praise the Lord? Some beautiful bookends here. And in between, he has written there some more instruction for us. It begins with praise the Lord. It ends with praise the Lord. And in the center of God's word here. The very heart of God's word, the very middle of God's word is an exhortation for us to occupy ourselves with the greatest thing we could do to praise, to exalt, to magnify, to glorify, to laud the Lord. Now, if you're reading Psalms, let's be honest about it. If you came to Psalm 117, naturally speaking, most of us will read that very quickly. Say, hey, it's a short chapter today. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to take long. I read through that in less than a minute. And we just rush right through it. But listen, brevity is a sign of genius. 
Now, now, to be able to really say something worthwhile in a very succinct way, that's a sign of some real intelligence or genius. Anybody can just ramble on and on and on. You say, well, we ought to know. We listen to you every week, but they ramble on and on and on. But, but to really say something in a short way, that's a sign of genius. And, and we don't know who the author of this psalm is here. And we don't even know the setting, but the theme is blatantly clear. The theme is this, praise the Lord. Now, let's talk about that for a moment. The word translated praise, look in your Bibles now. The very first word, Psalm 117, verse 1. See it? Praise, verse 1. And then again at the end of verse 2, praise the Lord. It's the Hebrew word we get our word, hallelujah. So we might say, hallelujah, and then end it with, hallelujah, praise the Lord. The word literally means to, to shine, to boast, to celebrate, to commend, to glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, now look again at your Bible. Notice the second part of verse 1. Now, if you have the King James, it says, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, praise the Lord, praise. But if you have the New King James, it says, laud him. Now, that's a different Hebrew word. That's why it's translated differently here in the New King James. It has the idea of addressing in a loud tone. In other words, to say something or sing something so other people can hear what you're saying or singing. Now, think about it this way. He says, praise the Lord there. And that is we praise him by telling the Lord how great he is. Telling the Lord how magnificent he is. Exalting the Lord. Lord, you are beautiful. You are wonderful. You are holy. You are righteous. We will glorify you. Praise the Lord. But then it also goes on to say, listen, we not only praise him, talking to him, we laud him or praise him by telling other people. How great he is by telling other people how wonderful he is by bragging on him. Listen, you want to brag on somebody? Don't brag on yourself. Brag on Jesus. Tell others about Jesus. And and that's the idea here. Our praise, our lauding is in two directions. God hears it and others should hear it. We praise him. Now, this psalm answers two very important questions. And I want to. Go over them quickly today. First of all, who should praise the Lord? Who should praise the Lord? And secondly, why should we praise the Lord? Who should praise the Lord? Let's look there at that question. Who should praise the Lord? Verse 1. The Bible says, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you people. So the short answer to that question is, who should praise the Lord? Everyone. Everybody. Notice the alls there. All you Gentile. All you people. Everyone in the world owes praise to God. Listen to these verses. Psalm 145, verse 9. The Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all his works. Matthew 5, 45. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Listen. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Listen, our God is good to all people. There are those today who hate God, who despise God, who cry out against God. But guess what? God gave them the same sunrise he gave us. God gave them the same breath that we're breathing. God gave their body the ability to function and move. God is good to all. 
They eat of the same food that God causes to grow. And God is good to all people. And everybody should praise Him. And listen, there's more in this passage than this, that general goodness of God. There's more here. We see here a beautiful picture of the gospel. You say, where do you see it, preacher? Well, notice what it says. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud Him, all you peoples. We see all peoples, all nations praising God. Now, now we'll look at this more in the second question, but let's look at it real quickly. This idea of all nations and all people praising God. How do we know that there's more than just general goodness here? Well, because Paul quoted this verse in Romans chapter 15. If you want to follow along, you can look there, Romans 15, 7 through 12, or you can listen as I read it, Romans 15, 7 through 12. Paul writing to the church at Rome, there, Romans, therefore, beginning at verse 7 of chapter 15, therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now listen, now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and listen, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, for this reason I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. Romans 15.10 says, and again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Now listen to verse 11. See if it sounds familiar. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. We're reminded that God's love, God's mercy and grace was not only for Israel. It was not only for the Hebrews. It extended to us. And we see that right here in this psalm. In fact, we go even further back. We see it in the covenant that God made with Abraham at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 12. Beginning at verse 1, here's what he says. That the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Listen, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How did that happen? It happened because of the one who came through that line, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in him all the families of the earth are blessed. We see that God... In his love and mercy and grace, way back, had us in mind. The Gentiles, those who are not of the Hebrew race. We see that God had upon his heart the nations and all people worshiping him and praising him. That's why the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's why he told us. To go, therefore, and make disciples of who? Of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. God has a heart for all people. God has a heart for all the nations. For all those in the world. And He wants us to reach them with the gospel. You see, missions is not just about keeping people out of hell. It's not just about that. Missions is about bringing honor and glory and praise to God alone. 
Now, yes, praise God, we are delivered from that horrible place called hell as we place our faith in Christ. But, but it's more than that. We're to be out. As one person said, it. there must be the chief force behind the fulfillment of the Great Commission. There must be more voices added to the hallelujah choir of those who worship God. Worship is the ultimate goal of missions. We go out and we share the gospel with people and praise God when they respond in faith. And yes, they're delivered from their sin and hell and wrath. But beyond that, their voices are to be added to the praise to God above. They're to worship and praise and magnify and add their voice to that hallelujah choir. You see, the praise of God, the worship of God, the glory of God is to motivate our missions. And you see, praise is the thermostat of the soul. So who should praise the Lord? Everybody. Everybody. But then why should we praise the Lord? How much time you got? I mean, could, could we not? Could we not just start listing? I mean, you get a piece of paper, we just start. I get a whiteboard, we just say, that's everything we can praise the Lord for. We'd be here all day. But he gets very specific here. Two things he brings. We can formulate an ending list, but he focused on two key points. Notice in verse two, we're to praise him. Why? For his merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. So there's two things he mentions his merciful kindness and his truth. This may remind you of Psalm 100. Psalm 100 verse 5 says, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. His mercy and his truth. We could easily call it his grace and his truth. In fact, let's call it his grace and truth. That's what's talked about. Here's merciful kindness, his grace. Here's an awesome verse. You might want to drop the reference down. John 1.17. John 1.17. Listen to what it says. For the law was given through Moses... But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. See, the law was not given for us to be saved by it. We couldn't keep the law. We failed. In fact, the Bible says the law was a schoolmaster, a tutor. It was to bring us to Christ. You see, the law, we pick up the law of God and we see that we've fallen short. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The law shows us that we need a savior. We need a law keeper to stand in our place. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Praise him for his merciful kindness, it says here. His grace, notice what it says, is great toward us. We forget lamentations. Now, maybe you don't read Lamentations very much. I mean, that's not really one you want to start your day with, right? Lamenting Lamentations. But Lamentations 3.22 says this. Through the Lord's mercies, we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. 3.22 of Lamentations. We forget it's of the Lord's mercies that we're here today. Because of his mercy. We praise Him for His grace. You see, we're not saved through good works. Praise be to Jesus. We're not, praised, we're not saved by our own merit. If we were, we'd be damned in hell forever. We're saved by grace. The Bible is very clear, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
often thought about what it would be like in heaven if we made it there on our own. Can you imagine the boasting and arrogance and say, well, I made it. Nobody will be able to say that. It says, by the grace of God, I'm here. It's by the mercy of God, I'm here. It's by his love, his compassion. I should be in hell, but praise be to God, I'm going to heaven by his mercy and his grace. You see, we should praise him for his grace. We should praise him for his mercy. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We're not good enough. We're not great enough. We're dirty, rotten sinners before he reaches out in grace and love and saves us and forgives us. We're rebels. And yet he says, I love you. And he gives us his grace. We should praise him for his grace. We often sing at uh, funerals and other times amazing grace. We don't sing it enough. We ought to sing it more, shouldn't we? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound of saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. But now I see by his grace. By his grace. But then it says what else? We should praise him for his truth. It says the truth of the Lord endures forever. Do you know his word, his truth, his promises endure forever? We do not serve a fickle, moody God. Can you imagine... What would it be like if God were like some people that you and I know? You know anybody that's moody? That's fickle? You know anybody like that? I mean, I mean, maybe you walk around eggs. Don't, don't mention their name. Don't look around. Please. They might get mad at you. But, but you, you, know, you have to be very careful because you're not sure they're going to be in a good mood or a bad mood. You're not sure exactly how they're going to be today. Aren't you glad God's not like that? Here's what it says in the Bible, Malachi 3, 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Listen, therefore you are not consumed. We studied that last Sunday, I think, in Sunday school. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. I don't change. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God is faithful. His truth endures to all generations. We, we, we need to praise Him for that. Praising that, listen, we're still saved by grace. We're kept saved by grace. We're going to heaven by grace. It's all of his merit, his grace, his love. He's not going to change his mind and say, listen, uh, when you stand before him, I change my mind. You, you, you can't come in because it's this way now. No, it says, uh, I see you're in my son. You have his righteousness. Welcome. You see, beloved, we serve a God whose truth endures forever. I love the way the Holman Christian translates Psalm 117. It's short enough for me to read it. Here's what it says. Praise the Lord, all nations. Glorify him, all peoples. For great is his faithful love to us. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Hallelujah. And I say today, hallelujah. Now, I ask you about your praise thermostat. What is your praise thermostat set at this morning? Be honest about it. How much have you praised the Lord this past week? Have you mentioned his name much? Have you praised him for his kindness and grace? Have you praised him for his truth? Have you praised him for his goodness that's toward us all? What is that thermostat set at? You see... I believe that Lawson's right because he says this, the more we know God, the more we praise him. And on the flip side, the more we praise him, the more we know him. And so I ask you today, 
what's your praise thermostat set at? Do you praise Him? Is it the case that you need to go and you need to set the thermostat up higher? In other words, is it time for you to get to know God better? Because the more you know Him, listen, beloved, the more you know God, I mean really know God, you can't help but to praise God. And the more you, you praise God, the more you get to know God. And so I ask you again today, what is your praise thermostat set at? Have you praised the Lord? Are you praising the Lord? Will you praise the Lord? Look at it again. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah is what it means. All you Gentiles. Lord him, all you peoples. For, because His merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Father, it is with grateful heart that we praise You in this place today. Forgive us for not knowing You better, and therefore not praising You more. Help us, Lord, to have praise ever-present in our mouths and our lives. Lord, may it be the motive that spurs on our missions, our outreaches, the very desires of our heart. You are worthy of praise and you alone are worthy. You've told us to praise. You've commanded us to praise. But even greater than that, O Father, you've given us reason to praise because of who you are, God alone, and because of your faithfulness and your truth and your mercy. Now, Father, I pray if anybody wandered in here today that does not know you because they've never met your son the Lord Jesus, I pray here in this next two minutes that they will come to saving faith in you. May your Holy Spirit work in their lives. And I pray, Lord, for those of us who already know you. May we lift our voices in praise. And maybe there are some believers here today who maybe want to come and just in a fresh way surrender their lives and praise you at this altar. Help us. Work of this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 227. Praise Him, praise Him. Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. As we begin singing, I'm going to ask those being baptized to go slip out and go get prepared. The altar's open today. You don't know God. You don't know the Son of the Lord Jesus. I'm not going to come today. We'll help you in the beginning. We'll take the Bible and share the gospel. And those of you already know, maybe today you can come and bow in a precious way and say, Lord, I praise you. I give you my life. Be worthy of praise. Will you do that today? 227. Praise him, praise him. Jesus, our blessed Redeemer, sing on earth this wonderful love proclaimed. Hail him, hail him, highest our angels to glory. Strength and honor give to his holy name. You come as we sing. 227. Let's stand and sing.